We're coming to two different moments, events in the life of Jesus. We're just going to come to these two verses. I'm in a moment going to, to read them for us. Before we come to the Lord's word, let me ask you to join with me as we pray and ask him to, for help, help to hear. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we come now to your holy word. This word that you have given to us for our good. That we might know, that we might know you. That we might know your purposes and plan. Plan to redeem those who are lost. Those who, have, who are, are sunk deep in the mire of sin. You have planned and purpose to save us. And your word tells us of that. It tells us of the wonders of Christ. And Father, this evening, as we come to the life and the ministry of Christ, would you make him beautiful to our eyes? Would you help us to receive from your word what you have for us? Would you help us? Would you do good to your people this evening? Would you sanctify us by your word as your spirit does its work by that word? Help us. We need your help. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. I'll read first because it comes chronologically first from John 6, verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And then Luke 22, verse 19. And he, Jesus, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. And we thank God for his word. Some people, when they first see the black and white picture, some only see a vase. Others, when they first see that picture, they see two faces looking inward. The vase and the two faces. It's an optical illusion. It's a, a fairly well-known picture. And when people see that picture, they, in most cases, only see one of the two. One or the other, in the first time at least. There's two pictures in one. Most people only see one. You see, it's easy for us to miss details that are right in front of us. How many times have you had it happen, maybe even just driving around a common place, a place you've lived for a long time, perhaps Meridian, and you're driving along and you say, oh, I've never noticed that before. It still happens to me. I've been in Meridian for a number of years, and I'll drive by a neighborhood or a road and think to myself, oh, I've never noticed that before, although it's been right there in front of me. Sometimes it's hard for us to see the details, to see what's right in front of us. We miss what's right in front of us. I've read these two passages, John 6 and Luke 22, many times in my life. I've read them numerous times. I've used the words of Luke 22 to administer the Lord's Supper many times. And yet somehow I've missed the words when he had given thanks. 
I read right past him. If the words were a snake, I think they would have bit me. Is that, the, is that a southern saying? I think it might be. I'd like for us this evening to, to see these words slowly, carefully, to consider them. Maybe for the first time to stop and to consider what does it mean? Why does Jesus do this? Why is he stopping, pausing to give thanks as he's feeding the crowds and as he's gathered with his disciples, disciples around the table? I think it's fitting on this joint Thanksgiving service Sunday in which we look ahead to this, this holiday. It's an American holiday for a reason because it's tied to our history, but it's a good reminder for us as Christians, as believers, to give thanks. And so on this Sunday in which we look ahead and we celebrate, we anticipate the anticipation of um, celebration of Thanksgiving, it is good for us to be reminded to give thanks to God. And that is the call this evening for us, give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. We can draw from these two verses I think a, a motive for giving thanks to God and the highest man, man, uh, matter for which we ought to give thanks. And so first, give thanks to God because of the example of Christ's thanksgiving. And then secondly, give thanks to God for the evidence of Christ's thanksgiving. First, give thanks to God because of the example of Christ's thanksgiving. And secondly, give thanks to God for the evidence of Christ's thanksgiving. We'll take the first. First, give thanks to God because of the example of Christ's thanksgiving. In my, in my childhood, the What Would Jesus Do bracelets were extremely popular. Perhaps some of you remember them. I can remember each Sunday going to Sunday school to see my, my childhood friends, and they would have new What Would Jesus Do, new WWJD bracelets on their wrists, and there was this competition to see how many you could get, how many different colors you could collect. I had my, my wrists covered in these WWJD bracelets. And the more you had, the cooler you were. Christian cool, but cool. <laughs> and maybe somewhere deep in our minds, we thought to ourselves, the holier we could be too, because we had this, this, this reminder on our wrists of the example of Jesus. For all the, the shortcomings, perhaps, of the what would Jesus do, WWJD, fad, it did highlight an aspect of Christ's ministry that we ought to remember, that we ought not to forget. In the whole of his life, by way of his relationship with the Father and with fellow people, Christ provides a perfect example for us, an example for us to follow. The Christian life is a life of imitation of following examples. Paul says to the Corinthian believers, follow my example as I follow Christ. And tucked away within these two verses, occurring at two different points in the ministry of Jesus, we find the example of Christ giving thanks. He does so both publicly and privately. He does so with a great crowd of people, great in number, 5,000 plus, gathered around him. He does so privately in a quiet, intimate space with his closest friends. 
these words, when he had given thanks. They might not draw our regular attention as we're reading these verses. Our eyes may even just sort of brush past them. But Jesus keeps doing this, giving thanks. And we ought to see his example for us. Christ gives thanks to the Father. John is the only gospel writer who records in the feeding of the 5,000, this miraculous feeding of the 5,000. He's the only one of the gospel writers to include for us the human source of the bread and the fish. He tells us in verse 8 of that passage that a small boy was found by the disciples having this bread and fish. The disciples collect it from him. He might even be close by when Jesus holds up the bread and says, and, and says a word of thanks to the Father. And, and notice that when he does that, he's not saying thanks to the little boy. The boy provides the bread and the fish. It's his lunch. And Jesus takes them in his hand, and he thanks the Father. He thanks the Father. Jesus took the bread, and before he does anything else, before he, he works the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves, Jesus pauses to pray to the Father, thanking him for the provision of the bread. Why does he do this? Why does he do this? Christ knows the Father. He knows what he is like. Being the eternal Son of God, Christ has the most intimate knowledge of the Father. He knows that it was the Father who orchestrated all the mundane events of that day so that that young boy would just so happen, just so happen to have the bread and the fish with him as he came and joined the crowd. And so Christ gives thanks where thanks are ultimately due. He thanks the Father. My, uh, my three-year-old son, he will, every once in a while, he'll come running up to me randomly in the house. I'll be somewhere in the house, and he'll come running randomly up to me with a drink for me. And I'll, I'll tell him, thank you, Jack. Thank you for the drink. But then I also, in the back of my head, in my mind, I know that I need to offer thanks to my wife because I know who ultimately provided the drink. My wife gave the drink to my son. Jesus pauses to give thanks to the Father who provides what is needed. This is a good example for us also to give thanks to the Father. Isaac Watts, he's commenting, he's writing on Thanksgiving, and he says this, to give thanks is to acknowledge the bounty of that hand from which we receive our blessings and to ascribe honor and praise to the power, the wisdom, and the goodness of God upon that account. That's thanksgiving to the Father, recognizing, acknowledging the bounty of his hand. Who else but God is worthy to receive such thanks for what we have received? Give thanks to God. The Westminster Larger Catechism, when it's expounding on the duties that are required in the first commandment, it says, it says something along these lines. The duties required in the first commandment are to worship and to glorify the Lord 
And one of the ways by which we do that is by giving thanks. By giving thanks. That's part of how we worship him according to the first commandment. Giving thanks to whom thanks are due. Christ gives thanks to the Father and he does so for what has been given. He does so for what has been given. What is needed is what is given in both situations. Feeding the crowd a meal and in the upper room with his friends, Jesus gives thanks with the provision in his hands. He, in both cases, he, he took the bread. He, he held it in his hands, what had been given. And then he gives thanks. And then he gives thanks. He takes the fish, the bread, the cup. He holds them in his hands. And he gives thanks to the Father for what has been given. And I, and I think when Christ does this, he teaches us an important lesson as we even compare this with another man who takes into his hand and eats. In the Garden of Eden, God lavished abundant provision on Adam and Eve. Every plant that bears seed is food for Adam and Eve in the garden. Every tree that bears fruit is for them for food, except for one. The Lord withholds one tree. All else is given them for their provision. What more reason could they have to give thanks for the abundant provision given to them? But being deceived by the persuasion of Satan and their own hearts, the man and the woman take and eat of the one tree that was not given. The first man took into his hand what is not given, acting in that moment with a heart that takes without thanks, that grabs without gratefulness. This, we might say, is part and parcel to the very temptation itself. If Adam and Eve, in that trial, in that temptation, had paused to consider all that had been given to them, every seed-bearing plant, every tree with fruit on it, and to give thanks for what was given, might they have stayed their hand? Would not thankfulness in that moment have supported them against temptation? But they forget the abundance and they forget to give thanks for the gifts. The legacy of Adam and Eve is generations upon generations of hearts left cold to consider, to consider the abundance given to us. The story of humanity, our story, is the story of failing to give thanks to the gracious provider. And in, tur in turn, we take and we take and we take. Does this not bear itself out in many sins? Sexual sins, the married and the single, actual affairs, sexual immorality of every kind, our screen habits, our imaginations. What about when we overindulge in food or drink? Whether in deed or in desire, we overstretch our hand with thankless hearts to grab what is not given and to take beyond what has been given to us. We are such unthankful people. We are impatient and self-sufficient people. 
You say a prayer around the table when gathered with family. That's good. What about when you're alone? When you eat by yourself? Kelvin suggests, John Kelvin suggests that the mere act of swallowing down food without thought of God places us in that moment on a level with unbelievers who feed themselves like brute beasts. What is the motion of your heart? The announcement from a friend of maybe a new grill, maybe another grandchild, maybe a better diagnosis. Are you left thanking the good giver for your friend's blessing and, and, and brought to think about your own and give thanks for your own? Or are you left at worst with bitter thoughts and at best with cold indifference? You know and believe these words. His mercies are new every morning. And yet, a cloudy, overcast day or morning can set your day on a trajectory of unexplainable grumbling and irritation. Whether you are 15 or 55, we still need the reminder of a five-year-old to give thanks. I'm telling my son all the time, my wife and I are reminding him all the time, Dad, what do you need to say? Say thank you. We're not so different from my three-year-old. We need reminders. It struck me as we did that, lit lit that litany, as we said those words over and over again. We need that repetition. We thank you, Lord. We need that repetition because we forget so easily. You and I have, have much thanklessness to confess to the Father as we look to the example of the Son. Christ as second Adam gives you and me a better example than the first one. Christ gives thanks to the Father for what has been given. He never took what had not been given him. He always gives thanks where thanks are due. He trusts the Father's gracious provision. It's only when we follow in the way and the example of the first Adam that we reach out and take without thanks. Let us learn to follow increasingly the example of Christ, the second Adam, your second Adam, your representative who trusts the good provision of the Father. Let his example motivate you. Let it spur you on, believer, in every facet of your life to remember all that has been given to you and to give thanks to God. That's our example. He is our example. Second, give thanks to God for the evidence of Christ's thanksgiving. The evidence of Christ's thanksgiving. Christ is our better, our perfect example to follow. But if, if, if Christ is, is only, merely a better example to follow, an ethical giant to model, as so many today claim, his example would only crush you and me beneath its weight. His would be a bar set so high that no Tower of Babel could be built to reach. We need his example. It ought to motivate us. We are called to model his way. But only as we learn to grasp the evidence of Christ's thanksgiving, what, is, what his example means for us, what it means for you, what it means for me. 
the meaning, the meaning of his modeling, the evidence of his example. And here is the highest example for our thanksgiving. We need to think more about why Jesus gives thanks and why it matters, what it means for us. Christ's thanksgiving is evidence of his dependence on the Father. Evidence of his dependence on the Father. Christ, as second Adam, in his humanity, demonstrates for us the dependence demanded of creatures before their creator. Jesus Christ is God, the Son incarnate. He is eternal as the person of the Son. He has all life in himself. He upholds all things by the word of his power. But in humility, he came be made like us in every way except without sin so that Christ shares in his humanity our weakness our frailty our dependence he lives and ministers in his earthly life dependent on the father by the help of the spirit when Christ surrounded by the multitude of hungry men women and children was going to feed them, he first gives thanks to the Father. And then the miracle happens. Ramsey Michaels says of John 6, 11, giving thanks here shows Jesus' dependence on the Father and the 5,000 are fed. Why else would Jesus stop to give thanks for bread? if he himself is not dependent on another for the multiplication and the provision of that bread to the people. Christ gives thanks because he is dependent on the care and the abundance of his heavenly father. And so he gives thanks and he feeds the body of the 5,000 with bread and fish. And there in the upper room, surrounded by his closest friends and his betrayer, Jesus again gives thanks for the provision. Provision of bread and cup that point powerfully, symbolically, spiritually to his chief moment, the, the glorious moment, the highest moment of his trusting and depending on the Father. In that room, Jesus gives thanks for elements that foretell of his looming death on the cross where he willingly goes to do the will of the Father, dependent upon the Father for the strength to endure all the dreadful deeds done to his flesh, the flogging, the ridicule, the crown of thorns pressed into his head, the nails, the hanging, and then finally to have the full heat of the Father's wrath poured out upon him on the cross. How could he endure except the Father support him? How could he endure except unless the Father help him? Christ trusted himself to the Father throughout the course of his earthly ministry. All the way up to when he says, says those words on the cross, it is finished. And so he gives thanks for the bread and the cup. And he feeds the soul of his people with his own person. 
Christ's dependence on the Father is the evidence you need. You see, his example is meant as evidence of how he could accomplish his work for his people, for you, for me. It is because he is dependent on the Father. Demonstrated for you and me when he stops to give thanks. When he pauses with bread, fish, and a cup in his hands to give thanks for the Father. Don't hurry past those words. Don't rush ahead. Don't read past them. They tell us much about Christ, about his heart, about his trust and dependence upon the Father. The Son loves the Father perfectly. Eternally, Christ depends on the the Father and gives thanks because he loves the Father. The Father who delights to give him all that is needed. What is needed is for the Son to give his life a ransom for many, many whom the Father and the Son together love. Christ depends on and gives thanks to the Father to the point of death because he loves his people. Love, love drives all his dependence. His humility to become dependent was driven by love for you, believer. Love for the Father, love for his people. Out of his great love, Christ gives thanks. He gives thanks as an example for you and me. Yes, for you and me to imitate, for you and me to follow. And could there be any higher matter for which you ought to give thanks? Do you give thanks for Christ's finished work on your behalf? Are you thankful for Christ's love for the Father demonstrated in his dependence on the Father? Do you give thanks for Christ's love for you demonstrated in his dependence on the Father? As you search the recesses of your heart, do you find their warm gratitude or a cold tendency to take such things for granted? Do you give thanks for Christ? We did it tonight as part of our service, twice, both in the litany and in our prayer of thanksgiving. Do you do that? Do you give thanks for Christ? for him, for his person, for his ministry for you, for his love for you? Are you thankful for what he's done for you? But then at at the end of the day, when you have once again many times over failed to live thankful lives, when you have much thanklessness to confess, do not look to the success or failure of your giving thanks. Do not trust to and rest upon your fickle habit of giving thanks. Rather, rest upon, look to, trust what Christ's giving thanks means for you. Christ gave thanks to the Father because he trusted the Father for the sake of his people. So that he could be the successful second Adam for you your head, your representative, representative of a new creation, of you, new creation, believer. This is evidence for your faith and mine of how and that he accomplished his work. He was successful because he gave thanks, because he depended and trusted the Father.
Look only to Christ for the source of your security. Rest only upon Christ as the cornerstone of your confidence. And give thanks to Christ. Give thanks for all the good things that you have been given. Do it often, regularly. You need the repetition. I need the repetition. Remind one another. Husbands, remind your wives. Wives, remind your husbands. Parents, remind your children. Grandparents, remind your grandchildren. Remind your friends, your coworkers, your fellow brothers and sisters in the church. Remind one another often, even as we're doing this with this whole service. Give thanks. Give thanks for a gracious and loving father, a good provider. Ultimately, he's provided you with Christ. Give thanks to God. Follow the example of Christ. Rest upon the evidence of his example. Give thanks to God. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you for the, the living picture that you give us in and through Christ of the thanksgiving that we owe you, that he did on our behalf, both as an example for us and also as evidence for why we can trust him. Help us to be thankful people. Help us to rest on Christ for us. We pray this, Father, in your holy name. Amen.